Well, I hope you're ready for a journey today. We're going to talk about God's goal is to get his best to your life. Why and how does he do that? What stops God from getting his best to you? This sermon is full of it, friend. It will help you solve some of the questions you ask in your heart. I want God's best in your life. I want the best things that can happen to you to happen. But there are certain conditions and you're going to see people who miss God's best and how God tried to get them back on track. So I'll see you in just a minute. Stay right there. Enjoy the sermon. I'm going to come back and pray for you. Glad you're back with us. Hey, listen, I want to talk today about God's best for your life. Now, I don't know what you think God's best is for your life, and I don't always think I knew what God's best was for my life. I thought I knew, but I was wrong. <laughs> I was really wrong. I thought I wanted to be in law enforcement. I thought I wanted to be in the CIA, FBI, or something else. I thought I, maybe I watched too many TV shows, probably so. But I, I had a vision for my life that really wasn't consistent. As a matter of fact, my vision for my life was down here. God's vision was up here. And I, I realized that through experience and time, it, little by little, it came to me what God's best plan was for my life. The key thing was I had to be in relation with him to see it. And I, I really believe that if you live life long enough and if you open your heart, you'll get to the right conclusions eventually. Blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness, they shall be filled, the Bible says. So I believe you get there, but I think it's not always easy to get there. So let me, if I can, take you down a road here. We've been talking about waiting, and I ask you the question at the beginning of the series, how many years has God been waiting on you? We, we start with the premise that Abraham, God waited for 75 years for him to get started, started. Then we talked about how he, God had to wait for him to get past certain distractions. He had people in his life, his, his nephew. He had, he had issues, uh, emotional issues. He and his wife made some bad decisions in chapter 16 of Genesis. Uh, with uh, going into his maid and taking his maid as his wife and having a child with her because she, she couldn't have any children. So they came up with this second plan they dreamed up, which was a bad plan, end up causing strife. And, and it's been true for generations. That one decision has lasted in Abraham's descendants for generations. But beside all of that, Abraham had a hard problem with lying to himself. He, and there are two examples I gave in chapter 12 and Genesis and chapter 20 where he lied to himself. He just literally lied to himself. And we are so guilty of doing that. You know, you're just not telling yourself the truth. This is not all his fault. You, you had a part in it. It's not all him. It's sometimes it's you. Sometimes it's not just her. Sometimes it's you. You lost your job because you didn't do what they asked you to do. Okay, you disagree. But come on, they gave you a warning or two. I'm not saying they're always fair, so don't get mad. I'm just simply saying, did you have a part in it at all? Some of you say, no. Okay, well, we'll just put those people in the turkey category, okay? But there are things that have happened to you where you had a part in it. And so if you can back up the train just a little bit and look at your life and try to make some adjustments, uh, truthful adjustments, it might help you because that will help you get to where we are today, God's best for your life. Let me read a text for you. It's in Exodus chapter 23. And this is really a strong verse. Listen to chapter 23, verse 25. He said, worship the Lord your God and his blessings will be on your food and water. I will take away sickness from among you and none will miscarry or be barren in your land. I will give you a full lifespan. That's a promise God made to them. That's God's best plan for them. All they had to do was to walk in obedience. This is that moment in Israel's history where he, is clear about what they should do 
and what he wants to get, get to get to them. I'm going to bless your food. I'm going to take away sickness from among you. I want you to have children. I want you to live a full life. That's what he says. That's my plan. That's what I desire for you. That's the promise I want to get to you. The question is, what stops that from happening? What are the things that, that can happen? Well, you can run into battles. You can run into difficulties. And watch what he says about the battle God promised. This is what he said. This is verse 27, Exodus chapter 23, verse 27. I will send my terror ahead of you and throw into confusion every nation you encounter. I will make all your enemies turn their backs and run. I will send the hornet ahead of you to drive the Hivites, the Canaanites, and the Hittites out of your way. Notice God names the enemies. He says, this is what I'm going to throw out of your way. This is what I'm going to fix for you. I'm going to, I want to go, I'm going to go before you and fight for you. This is a pretty powerful promise. That's God's best. I want you to win the battles in your life. What, and if you think back, all the battles that we've had, we've always won. In the end, God gives us victory. Now, the third thing that I think is impressive is not just the promise, not just the battles, but the pace. Because this is where people get lost. And this has been part, this, this is a favorite verse of me. Exodus 23, verse 29. Look what it says. But I will not drive them out in a single year. I'm not going to give it to you in one year. Now, I want you to think about that. This is going to be a long-term process to get you to my best. It won't be in one year. Now, watch the practical reasons he gives them. This is Exodus chapter 23 now. Okay, chapter 23, down at verse 29. He says, because the land would, would become desolate and the wild animals too numerous for you. In other words, what I want to give to you is too big for you. And you couldn't even manage the animals. The, 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 the animals would, would take over. So I have to leave people around you some Canaanites, some Hivites, some Jebusites for a while because you couldn't manage the land that I'm going to give you. It will overrun you. I've seen this happen over and over again. You get into a business, the business over, is successful and drowns you. Kills your marriage, kills your life. You just work too much. Don't know how to balance the money out. Spend, buy, do, and you become foolish. All because you got all the blessing at one time. You see a lot of this in sports. You see a lot of this when young men get more money than they can imagine. They get a $40 million contract a year. They don't know how to even spend that kind of money. And they end up not paying their taxes. They end up making incredibly stupid decisions. And I don't use that word stupid, but some of the decisions are pretty bad. And you, you, you wonder why. Sometimes it's because they got it too fast. I'm not saying, you know, it wasn't a wonderful thing, but they didn't have the maturity to manage it. And he says, basically, you guys can't get all that I have for you right away. The pace is going to be slower than you like. Verse 30, here's how it's going to come. You ready? Little by little. I have a saying, peace, success comes in pieces. Little by little, I will drive them out before you. Un until, here's why, until you have increased enough to take possession of the land. I'm waiting for you to grow up. See, I'm waiting. I'm waiting for you to grow up. I'm waiting to give this to you. I want to give you the next million. I want to give you the next 100,000. I want to give you the, I want to give it to whatever. Just think about what this is. Whatever it is God has planned for you, I can't. I, I don't believe that some people should have a, a mate right now. They're not ready for a mate. They barely can get along with their cousin. They barely can get along with people who don't live with them. How can they have somebody to live with and they barely can get along with anybody? Sometimes 
there's nobody around you that would compliment you and help you. And so you need to wait until somebody is around you that can help you and compliment you. So I'm not going to give it to you. I'm not going to let you take possession because number one, you would not be able to control it. And number two, because you, now this is really an important point. Exodus chapter 13. I want you to turn there. And I want you to uh, just let me put it on the screen. Let me show you. This is one of the most profound verses. God's plan for them was for them to come out of Egypt and go to the promised land right away. But they couldn't go because they were not mature enough. Listen to this. Exodus chapter 13, verse 17. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road to the, through the Philistines country, though that was shorter. For God said, if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God let the people led the people around by the desert road toward the Red Sea. The Israelites went out of Egypt ready for battle, but he knew they would not win. Now, I want to put a statement on the screen. I want you to listen to what it says. The promised land was 225 miles away. They could have arrived in Egypt in 11 days on the high side. Imagine the distance from Savannah, Georgia to Charlotte, Tallahassee or Atlanta. I'm living in Savannah. The distance to the promised land is one many of you have traveled many times and it did not take you 40 years, but it took them 40 years. <laughs> An 11 day trip, 225 miles on foot. And it, they still, it took them 40 years. There's this incredible, oh man, thing that's hard, hard to see. It's hard to see that people miss God's best, but here's how they did it. They grumbled, Numbers chapter 14 says. They murmured in and out. Remember, the, all the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron and the whole assembly. They were complainers. God's trying to get them to the right place, but he couldn't get them there and they wouldn't fight. So you got people who wouldn't fight. You got people who grumble. And then you got people who thirdly forget the facts. They forget the facts. Why is the Lord, and this, this, is, this is their comment. This is Numbers chapter 14. Numbers 14, I'm going to read verse 3. They said, why is the Lord be bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and our children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it have been better for us to go back to Egypt? Notice, notice, this is why God can't get his best of them. Because these are people who grumble. These are people who won't fight. These are people who forget the facts. Here are the facts. Let me read for you the facts that people forget. Exodus, they forget Exodus chapter 1, verse 11. I'm going to take a little history lesson here. So they put slave masters over them, referring to Israel, to oppress them with forced labor. And they built Pithon and Ramesses and store uh, cities for Pharaoh. The, but the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied and spread. The Egyptians came to dread the Israelites and worked them ruthlessly. They made their lives bitter with harsh labor in brick and mortar and which all kinds of work in the fields and all their harsh labor, the Egyptians worked them ruthlessly. Now that's, that's what they couldn't remember. See, what happens sometimes, God's trying to get the best of you, but he can't because you've forgotten the facts. You're starting to grumble. You're not willing to, to fight the fight you need to, to fight to win. Then, he, they watch this, then, then they wanted to fire Moses. They came to the point where they said, 
we should lose, get another leader and go back to Egypt. We should lose this leader, choose another leader rather than go back to Egypt. This is, a, this is an incredible moment when you go, why can't God get his best to them? Well, because look at how they think. Are you firing people that need to be in your life? Advisors, your parents, people that need to be in your life? Are you cutting out people that God's put in your life to give a, to give a voice to your life? Have you said to yourself, these are the facts when they're not the facts in this political environment? I'm telling you right now, that's happening all over the place. The facts are the facts. You lie, you didn't, didn't lie. You, I mean, pause for a minute. That's at least acknowledge the facts, the true facts, the real priorities. Don't get me started with that one. They grumble. Always complaining. Always something somebody did. Always something that happened in your past. You live in this grumbling state and God cannot get his best to you. So he's waiting, he said in, in our, our verse here where he said, Little by little, I'll drive them out before you until you have increased enough. See, sometimes you just haven't grown up enough. And the Lord says, you know, OK, you're still trying. You're trying to get rid of the people I put in your life to advise you like your Moseses. You're getting rid of your Moses. You're getting rid of your Aaron. You, you're wanting to go back to Egypt. You're lying about the fact you've forgotten what it was like to be in jail or you've forgotten what it's like to be single or be married. You've forgotten, you've forgotten the, the challenges you've had. And now you want to pretend you have other facts. You know, and so here we go. And God's sitting there saying, but I really want to get my best to you. But I'm waiting on you. I'm waiting on you. I'll get my best to you if you're willing to change. So I want to pray for you. I want to pause for a minute and I want to just close this out with prayer, because for some of you, this is a wake up moment. Pastor Rick, has God ever had to wait on you? Absolutely. For what? All kinds of reasons. He had to wait for me to get over some naive assumptions about money. For a minute, I thought cash was cash was credit and credit was cash. And it wasn't. I learned that there's sometimes you need to speak up and, and, and do what you want to do and what you know to do earlier. I've learned the importance of taking care of myself. I've learned the importance of resting. I'm learning the importance of being honest about being fatigued. I'm learning the importance of, about narrowing access to me. A lot of things God says, oh, I want to bless him, but I got to wait for him to catch on. Because if I give it to him now, if I bless him now, he'll lose his way. You might ask me another question. Say, Pastor Rick, if God ever gave you something and then it didn't work out for you. Yeah, yeah, there were things that I got early and, and I didn't appreciate it. I didn't understand education the way I learned to understand it. It took me a while to really appreciate it. Several years for me to really get to the place where I can understand the value of a higher education. I have degrees, thank God I made it, hallelujah, but I learned some lessons. Lessons that I could have learned earlier, yeah, but I was too immature to get it. And sometimes as a leader, you're too immature to let someone talk to you. Some of you right now, you want God's best, but you won't let anybody talk to you. Nobody can really challenge you. Nobody can really speak to you. One of the greatest lines a friend ever spoke to me was, he says, give me the truth temple with hot sauce, please. Let me hear the whole truth. So what is the truth about you? In this series where I plowed through all this material in the book of Genesis, what's the truth for you? All the way to the, from Genesis to Exodus, we've been numbers. We've talked about all of this, three books we've covered in our study in this month. The question is, what, of, what in this series applies to you? What are the distractions? What are the lies you, you've believed? What is God waiting just to get you to start? And you're always at the start line. I love this little thought. You live your life at the, at the start, starting line. You never take off. 
If you do, you go a couple of steps and go back again. I'm going to get in shape and then you go back again. I'm going to save some money and then you go back again. I've done that so many times in my life. And it's, at some point, you've got to run further than the starting line. You've got to follow through and get it done so you can receive God's best. He's trying to get his best to you, but it's not possible. And if you're not careful, you'll spend your life admiring people that have more than you. And I'm not talking about just stuff. I'm talking about peace of mind. I'm talking about having a sense of confidence. I'm not just talking about clothing and notoriety. That's not, that's not as important as you think it is. Because God is sitting there saying, I want to get you to something bigger than that. Life does not, Jesus said, does not consist in the abundance of things you possess. It's not about possessions. It's about God changing your life. So I want to pray for you right now. And I want you to hear me. This could be the moment. Everything can change if you open your heart. Father, I pray for those who've heard this word today. May it bless them, inspire them, lift them, give them vision and clarity, thought. I thank you for the changes they'll make, for the openness they'll have, and may the hand of God be strong in their life from this moment forward. And I also pray for those who don't know Christ, who are saying, I need Jesus in my life. Let this be the transforming moment they give Christ their life. The moment they say, I surrender to him. I want him to be the Lord of my life. God has been waiting to give me his best. And it starts with me saying yes to him. So today we say yes in Jesus name. Amen. Well, I pray you enjoyed the journey and you learned that Israel learned a painful lesson, how sometimes in life you can get away from God's plan and miss God's best, but God's goal is to get it back to you. So let me pray for you. Father, I pray for those who've heard this message. May it inspire them to open their hearts to God's best. I thank you and praise you for what you're going to do in their life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for being with us today. If the sermon blessed you, link it and send it to a friend and share this word with somebody else. I'll see you next time. And remember, we love you and we care. See you next time. Bye-bye.